Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 140. And again, just excited to have another great guest on this week. It is Mr. Jeremy Rickardson, the head boys basketball coach at Cedar Rapids Prairie High School in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Got a lot of great topics and uh, things to talk about with Coach Rickardson here uh, today. Uh, But before we get to Coach, we of course need to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive here in Omaha, Nebraska. Coaches, if you or your athletes have any spinal uh, balance neck or spinal issues, have them go see COSAC Chiropractic. Give Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi a call at 402-964-0300 or check out their practice at COSACchiro.com. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on their Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. Uh, obviously, you're listening. Uh, download, rate, review, subscribe, follow us on iTunes. Uh, give us five stars. Give us a great review so that we can move up the rankings and help as many coaches as we can to hone their craft. And, of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at penandanapkin at gmail.com. Go check out a penandanapkin.com. It's a, I think it's a really good coaching website with a lot of really good sources and information and data on the website. So, Jeremy Rickardson, head boys basketball coach at Cedar Rapids Prairie High School. Coach, how you doing this afternoon? I'm doing great. How about you? Uh, well, other than the uh, litany of stuff we were talking yeah. about before we uh, before we got going, but no, I'm I'm doing really really well. Uh, what's the, what's the old saying? You can't be stressed and blessed at the same time. So I'm trying to choose. I like to be, it. I'm trying to choose to be blessed instead of stressed but uh yeah we got a lot of moving pieces right now but it's it's all in a good place and and uh just really excited to talk to you here this afternoon coach so uh you know should, should we get after it here yeah let's do it all right man well hey uh coach you, you've had a a really nice career you've done a lot of things you've had a nice balance between being a head coach and being an assistant coach uh so you know again we you know we'll start this out the way we usually start out our, our podcast uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself uh, where you came from, how you ended up at Cedar Rapids Prairie. Yep. Well, I, you know, I've, I've listened to a couple of your um, episodes here lately and it got me thinking about how I would answer this question. I, and I think back to, I was probably about nine years old and my parents took me to, um, I, I'm, I'm a lot like you. I'm from small town, Iowa. Is uh-huh. that correct? Yep. 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 So they, Northeast Goose Lake, um, 1980 was playing in a sub-state final and that's the first basketball game I went to and I just I don't remember a lot of specifics but I remember the atmosphere was just incredible and you know the way that our community rallied around the team and they they were fortunate enough to win and and went on to the state tournament and um we we went to that as well and and I was hooked I was hooked at that point um were, you know, were you, so from there, were you uh, were you doing any face painting at the time, or did you play it straight up? <laughs> I don't think I did. I, I'm, <laughs> if I did, my mom probably would have pictures. I don't think I've seen any. Okay, all right. I'm just uh, checking, just verifying, Jeremy. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> you know, so that that was that was my hook into basketball uh-huh. uh, at nine, and and from that point on, I um, you know went to a lot of games, and I just like a lot of. Um, Coaches, I'm sure, would say, you know, I had my idols growing up, uh, players that played at Northeast that were really good and went on and, 
you know, I kind of wanted, I wanted to be that guy. Um, mm-hmm. One of those being Doug Wegemaster, who we'll talk about here later, but, um, you know, and then, and then obviously a uh, big Hawkeye fan got into watching the Hawkeyes. I, I was a basketball nerd. I would, I would get their games on TV and keep stats in my little uh, ledger <laughs> book and share them with my grandpa. And, you know, I, I, I was just all, I was all in. Uh-huh. So, I, I, I think it was part of the education of, of any kid in the state of Iowa uh, to either be able to draw out Dr. Tom's flex offense or, or, or Johnny Orr's high court, uh, high post shuffle. I think it was part of our, I think it was part of the testing standards for the Iowa test of basic skills. Right. Right. <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't, it should have been right. Uh, um, yeah. I, uh, my, my dad was an official. I got a Johnny Orr story for you real quick. Uh, okay. and, uh, and, uh, my dad was an official and he went to, you know, the, the preseason meeting and they had some guy who at the time, you know, back when the old big eight was playing and he had, he had done some big eight games. And of course somebody asked, um, you know, what's, uh, what's Johnny Orr like on the sideline? And my dad said the, the official paused for, for a minute. And then he just said, well, he's not going to confuse them with a lot of instructions is what he said, you know, so. <laughs> Uh, or, or with a lot of plays, or something, something like that. But you know, uh, Johnny just yeah. let his guys roll. But you know, he was very successful with his philosophy and what he did. So, um, yeah, sorry. absolutely. Yeah, sorry, that popped in my head. Uh, go ahead and yeah. keep going with your story here, Jeremy. Yeah, good stuff. Um, you know, and, and from there, um, Michael Jordan took my attention, and um, at that point, I was. I was in my basement with a AM radio trying to, if I could catch like a Bucks game with some static, you know, that was a great night. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm just telling you all my basketball nerd stories here. Oh, but, no, that's cool, man. Um, that, that's, you know, that's how it started. And, um, big Michael Jordan fan, Bulls fan through the years. Um, you know, that led me in high school and I, I was fortunate enough to play on a pretty good team. We, we played in the state tournament my senior year at, at um, uh, the old Vet Stadium, and you bet. from there I went. I went to Co College and played played there uh, in the early '90s. And um, actually, my, my roommate at Co my my senior year uh, was a Cedar Rapids Jefferson graduate, and somebody at the school reached out to him and asked if he'd be interested in coaching freshman girls. And he really wasn't, but he thought that I might. And he gave him my name, and we got in touch, and and that's how it started. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, just a just a random chance like that. And uh, when I got on at Jefferson, um, you know, people in Iowa probably know the name Larry Niemeyer. Um, I was working under him, and he's a he's a Hall of Fame coach in Iowa, National Hall of Fame coach for basketball and softball. Um, so that was a good place to land and to start. Mm-hmm. Um, Worked my way up there, um, sophomore coach, and then eventually assistant varsity with Coach Niemeyer. Um, from there, I landed my first head coaching job, but I was still on the girls' side at, at Albernet uh, here in Iowa, uh-huh. just north just north of Cedar Rapids. And um, so I got my feet wet, you know, being a head coach there, and, and was there for four years. Um, we. As a family, we live in the Cedar Rapids Prairie District, and my kids had started school at that point. And we really, really uh, liked the district and liked the community, and 
you know, it's a, it's a 4A school here in Iowa, but it has a small school feel just because sure. it, it pulled, it pulls not only from Cedar Rapids, but a lot of small towns in, in southern Cedar Rapids. Mm-hmm. Um, the campus is all on, on one, um, all the schools are on one campus here. So there were a lot of things we liked. Yep. Um, and there was a basketball change on the boys side here. And at that time I applied for the, the varsity boys job here, but, uh, James Moses got it, a former Iowa player. Yep. Uh, but I, but I was asked to come over as the head sophomore coach, which I, which I jumped at and I did that for three years. And then I did one year as James's varsity assistant. Um, and then when he resigned, uh, I took over the reins. So, mm-hmm. um, I just finished my eighth year as the, as the varsity boys basketball coach here at Cedar Rapids Prairie. Sorry, sorry for the long rambling. No, no. Uh, basketball nerd story. No, no, no. It. Hey, I mean, when I was, when I was eight years old, uh, you know, I, I had my Nerf hoop in our toy room in our house and, and, uh, I thought I was going to go grow up to be six foot six and play for the Philadelphia 76ers. And I was palming the crap out of that Nerf hoop, uh, Nerf ball flying around there. So I appreciate that type of stuff. I think a lot of our listeners probably do as well. So, uh, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're just all basketball nerds if we're listening to this. So don't worry about it. Coach, you know? Um, you know, uh, you, you, you got the prairie here, like you said, eight years. Uh, and it, it was a grind. It was one step at a time. Um, yep. And uh, last year, uh, you made the the state tournament. Your program uh, made the state tournament for the first time in almost a quarter of a century since 1998. Uh, you know, just yep. kind of talk about, uh, and, and we'll kind of get into the nitty gritty, dirt, uh, dirty details of your program uh, later on here. But just uh, the stick-to-itiveness of of building one brick at a time one brick at a time and you know eight years is a long time to wait for that state tournament berth when you're when you're building that program up uh you know just kind of you know talk about how important it is for that process to to play itself out and continue to build up the program one step at a time yeah i mean you you hit the nail on the head you know um for me personally just kind of taking it one step at a time and and building my resume and trusting that, you know, whatever level, whatever gender I was coaching, that I was just going to give it, um, everything I had and do the best job that I could and hope that, um, schools and administrators and and communities appreciated it. Um, and, and then, you know, more generally, yes, to this program here at Prairie, um, it, it was when, when I took over, the, the program for, for a litany of reasons. Um, the 10 years before I got here hadn't won more than 10 games. And we've been able to do it five times here in the last eight years, but it's those first couple of years. Um, I, I remember at banquets specifically talking to parents and, and to the players about, you know, even though our record wasn't, you know, stupendous and it wasn't maybe what we wanted. I talked to him about building a strong foundation and, you know, if you're going to build a skyscraper, you've got to dig pretty deep and, and do some dirty work with that foundation. Cause it's got to be strong to hold up, um, you know, great things to come. And, and, you know, I appreciate you bringing that up cause it reminded me of that. And, you know, those players that maybe didn't have the success that we've seen here in the last three or four years were a big part of it. And, mm-hmm. and it was that, it was that brick by brick, mentality like you said Mm -hmm. um did you get did you get discouraged ever 
What's that? Did you ever get discouraged with the process? Um, you know, not really. I, I, I mean, I'm the eternal optimist. Okay. I'm, I'm a very positive person. I'm, I'm pretty easygoing and laid back. Um, you know, which, you know, there, there's, there's a hundred ways to skin a cat, you mm-hmm. know, you know that saying. So, um, again, we'll talk about coach Wagonmaster here a little bit later, but he and I couldn't be any more different and, and came on my staff to help me this year. And, and, you know, it, it was a good mix and, and I understood him a little bit better and he understood me a little bit better. Um, but I guess to answer your question, if I got discouraged, I, you know, it didn't, it wasn't enough to, to make me want to stop coaching or sure. to stop grinding or, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, we're doing this for the kids and, and for the communities. And, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I was never that discouraged, I guess, yep. to answer yep. the question. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of the community, uh, you, you make the state tournament, like I said, first time in 24, 25 years. What kind of effect did that run and and then you go down there you have some success you win uh you you beat conference rival cedar falls in the first round a really tough game in the semifinals uh that you end up dropping unfortunately but what kind of what you know how did that kind of change the perspective and the energy of your program by finally getting over that hump a little bit um it, it was great i mean the community response was awesome um we had great crowds throughout um I had one of the players on that 1998 team that that team won the state championship. Um, and he still lives in the community and, and has kids that go to Prairie now. Um, I had him come in and talk to the team and, uh, I tell you what, he, he, he was ready to run through a brick wall and he had us <laughs> ready to run through a brick wall, uh, before we, we even got down there. So, you know, that's just one specific example of, you know, how important it was to him, um, this community, and and um, it, it was a great response. It, it was a lot of fun mm-hmm. to see that 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 excitement in the community. Mm-hmm. How is how is making a, a tournament run like that changed your program here the last six months or so? Have you have you seen more energy from your from your youth? Uh, you know, just different things like that. You know, how is how has that really helped uh, give your your program a boost? Uh, for now, hopefully, another you know more runs like the one you just went on. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I mean it's been good. It's um, you know we got to do you get the things that come with it. We got to go on the local um, news and and you know we were spotlighted there. Um, our our camp turnout this summer. We we always do our camp the, the second week after school gets out, and it was the best turnout we've had. Um, in my eight years. So, you know, I think that's, you could attribute that to, to what we did this season. Um, young kids seeing it, uh, wanting to be a part of it. And, um, yeah, so, I, you know, I think, I think it bodes well. We, you know, I may talk about this later, but we, we have thrived the last, or, or in my time here with multi sport athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the run we made last year, uh, I'm trying to think one, two, all of my starters played football. Mm-hmm. Um, three of them are going on to play football this fall in the, at the college level. So, um, you know, that's a big piece of it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you've, you've referenced it a couple times already. Uh, Doug Wagamaster, 
uh, who used to be the coach at Kirkwood uh, there in Cedar Rapids, successful program, uh, did a lot of really good things there. Uh, you guys grew up in the same hometown. Uh, he's a couple years older than you, your best friends. You, you spent a lot of time together, and, and now you're on a coaching staff together. And that sounds all fine and dandy, uh, and we want to emphasize the good parts of it, but also there's probably got to be some, some uh, you know, uh, you're challenging one another to make each other better, I'm sure, at times as well. That's the way we're going to phrase it here, uh, Coach. Uh, you know, just what's, what's, yeah. it like, what's it like coaching with your best friend? It's been great, you know, knock on wood. And, and you know, just quick backstory, like you said, when he was a senior, I was a freshman. And, and like I referenced in the intro there, he was one of those players that I looked up to and just, you know, he was my idol. And I, I wanted to play, but I wanted to be a basketball um, a star like he was. So, you know, there there was that piece of it. He went to Loris and then he kind of traveled around the country. He coached in California, Colorado. Um, before he came back to Grandview as the head coach. And then uh, from there, he was at Kirkwood. Um, and obviously, I was in Cedar Rapids at the time, and we kind of reconnected and, um, you know, just, just became real close. Um, most of the time, bonding or talking over basketball. So mm-hmm. that's kind of uh, how we got to here. He's been out, like you said, he's been out of coaching at Kirkwood now for eight or nine years. And he and I have talked several times over the last three or four about, you know, his itch to get back into it and what's the right, um, scenario, what, you know, it, can we make it work? And I told him, you know, come and help me. I, I would, I'd love to have you. And, you know, you'd be stupid not to use a resource like that. Um, and we finally kind of came to terms before last year and, and, thought we had a way figured out that we could make it work because, mm-hmm. you know, he's used to running his ship and I, I have become accustomed to running my ship and the way with that we, we drive those aren't always the same, uh-huh. but we want to get to the same, we want to get to the same port. So, um, and, and I'd be lying if I said there weren't some awkward or, 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 you know, times when, when we had to talk things out or, and, and, we were honest with the team the first night of practice. We said, there's going to be some times where it's awkward. Mm-hmm. We're approaching this like we're, we're co-head coaches. You know, I, there's never a time when I'm not going to let coach Wags, um, say his piece because he, he knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and there, I, you know, there's 98% good 2% where we, where we had to, <laughs> talk out our issues so yeah. in that regard and doing it with your best friend you know it's it's, it's been a lot of fun yeah. so what were some of those terms that you had to work out with one another just in 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 general in basic stuff like what were some of the things that you discussed yeah. um just like uh you know what's practice gonna look like who's gonna who's gonna take the lead on this who's gonna take the lead on this um how can i support when he's got the lead, how can he support when I've got the lead? Um, game day, you know, he, he kind of said it in jest, but on game nights, like he's like, I don't think I can sit down. I'm like, well, only one of us can stand. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we were we were warned within the first four minutes of our first game this year, and uh, he he kind of got the message. So, uh-huh. you know, just just things like that, and um, uh, 
you know, just like I uh, alluded to earlier, he, he's a very fiery, um, competitive, you know, as coaches, we're all competitive, but we show it in different ways. And, mm-hmm. um, my approach is a little more, um, not relaxed. I'm just, I'm just not as loud and vocal. Um, you know, so that we were trying to find that balance. And I, and I think we, we struck a pretty good balance throughout the course of the season. Mm-hmm. Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. You had uh, you'd mentioned the the change that you made. You wanted to get into the Prairie District, uh, and you had been coaching girls, I think, for 16 years, if I did the math correctly. And again, you know, I teach history, so don't really trust my math too terribly much. But uh, uh, you know, you, you make the switch. You coach girls. You're leaving a varsity position to come in uh, as a as a sophomore coach, and, and coaching is coaching. But, you know, how long or, or what was kind of some of the – what were, if there were any adjustments that you made from coaching girls as long as you did to now coaching men or boys, I should say? Yeah. Um, you know, I was expecting there to be a much bigger um, – I, I don't know what the right word is – a much bigger struggle with the transition, and there really wasn't. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you said it. Coaching is coaching. Um, the way that that – the girls respond to coaching is, is different than the way that guys do. You know, um, there's, there's pluses and minuses to both sides. Um, I just felt like it was always something that I wanted to give it a shot. You know, I I wanted to try to get on the boys side and, and, um, prove that I could, I could coach there and then, um, hopefully get an opportunity to prove that I could coach at the varsity level in one of the tougher conferences in the state. And, um, you know, that's where I've landed. I, like I said, the transition wasn't as, Mm -hmm. um, daunting or different as I thought it might be. Mm -hmm. Is, is there anything you miss about coaching the girls? Um, yeah, I mean, coaching the girls, you, you got a lot more, uh, I don't know if feedback is the right word or it was just, you, you know, they were a lot, uh, more, um, ready to, to show you their appreciation for, you know, for what you did for them or, or, um, if, if that makes sense, you know, like, no, it does. Yeah. I, I just remember, I just remember banquets at the end of the year being very emotional on the girl's side. Um, and, and it has nothing to do with, you know, the, the stereotypical boys aren't supposed to cry. It has nothing to do with that. It was just, um, the way that they respond and, um, not, and that's not to say that there hasn't been tears on the boys side. I mean, my son graduated, um, 
last year and, and it, it was tough. It was emotional, but um, I would say that's the biggest, one of the bigger things that I've, I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Well, you've, uh, you know, Jeremy, you've been really busy here the last six months or so, not only with, you know, getting your program to the state tournament, uh, but one of your former players, of course, was was drafted by the Sacramento Kings, and not only just drafted, but drafted in the lottery as a top five pick. And 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 one of the really really good stories in college basketball in the last couple of years, uh, the way Keegan uh, developed and a late bloomer uh, just just didn't ask for a bunch of attention or anything like that. He he bet on himself and went to prep school and then came back to Iowa and figured it out and and went from a, a you know a nice freshman year to an all-American within 12 months and a and a high lottery pick and and had a really really nice summer at summer league and and that type of yep. thing. Uh you know I I know you've been asked to death about you know what it, probably what it was like to coach uh Keegan at the high school level and those type of things, what what I'm kind of curious to ask you about is, you know, your role in the process of his uh, NBA uh, scout, uh, the, the the background, you know, uh, the yeah. teams reaching out to you. What was that like for you to go through that process of not trying to get a kid or to recommend a kid to play at Iowa or at Coe or at, at North, you know, uh, Upper Iowa or any of those type of levels, but now we're talking the NBA. And what you know, what was that experience like for you? Uh, it, it was surreal. I uh-huh. mean, I remember the first time, uh, the first team that contacted me was the Detroit Pistons, and and they had actually contacted the counseling office here at the school first to kind of get um, transcript information and that type of thing. And so the counselor gave me a heads up: "Hey, this this guy's going to be calling you." Um, you know, it just and it just kind of hit me out of left field. Like I, I knew obviously that teams do their homework and they they got to do this. And um, but when it's like like you said, when it's one of your players, it's it's just kind of surreal. Um, but you know, from there, I talked to probably six or seven different teams, um, mm-hmm. and and you know, they all kind of want to know the same information. What was he? What was he like? Um, in high school, what, you know, what's he, what's he like off the court? Um, a lot, most of them, one of the, one of the most common questions was my thoughts or my opinion on why they weren't more heavily recruited coming out of high school. I, and I apologize for saying they, I just always, yeah, I always, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a package deal. Yep. And Chris together. Yep. Um, why, why he wasn't more recruited, um, why the why the quick, you know, they, they graduated from here, went to DME. I went down and watched their first jamboree down there. And the next week Iowa offered them, you know, like, so that's, that's, it, it, it kind of happened pretty quickly. Um, you know, so those, those were the type of questions and, and it, it's just pretty heady stuff when you realize you're, you're talking to um, front office people in the, at the NBA level about one of your former players. Mm-hmm. So self-described basketball nerd, uh, Jeremy Rickardson, what, in this process, what was the biggest basketball nerd moment that you went through? Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening to me. This is so awesome right now. <laughs> uh couple of things pop into my head when you ask that question the first thing is 
um, you know, when, when it first became pretty evident that he was going to be drafted, um, his dad, Kenyon and I were talking and he's like, I'd like you to be there with us in New York. And, you know, you're a big part of this. And I was like, Oh my gosh, uh, that's, that's amazing. You know, I'd love to, if you want me there, I'm there. Um, but in the meantime, um, Keegan found a girlfriend and, and I got bumped by the girlfriend. Long story short. Uh, <laughs> so I did not attend the draft. Um, you know, that was the first thing there, there for a while. I thought I was going to the NBA draft. Yeah. Uh, the second thing, um, I, I'm a sports memorabilia collector. I I've collected sports cards all my life. So, mm-hmm. um, I've got, when I got my first Keegan Murray, uh, basketball card, that was, mm-hmm. that was, that's basketball nerd stuff right there. And seeing him at my kitchen table, signing it was, was pretty special too. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, weirdest question that a front office person asked you? Oh, you know, I didn't get too many weird ones. I really didn't. And, uh-huh. you know, that was another thing that that kind of goes along with it. You know, these NBA teams, they have to do this. They do, they do their homework. They're very thorough. Um, but like you alluded to, Keegan Murray is a special, not only is he a special basketball player, he's a special person. Like, mm-hmm. like there's, there is no dirt. There's, there's, he's a great student. He's a great citizen. He's a hard worker. He's humble. He's respectful. He, you know, there, I, I'm sure it has to be refreshing for them every once in a while to, to, um, you know, find that because yeah. I'm sure it's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but having said that, I really, I really didn't get any strange, any straight, you know, just wanted to know about, you know, does he run with an AAU crowd or, you know, does he, what's he, what's he do? <laughs> and again, he, he lays low. He keeps a low profile. He doesn't want to be out um, at the bars in Iowa city. He, he just wants to keep a low profile, keep his nose to the grindstone and work. So um, I guess even if they would have asked me one of those bizarre questions, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had a great answer. So, mm-hmm. Want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers? Go to apenandanapkin.com, a great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our A Pen and a Napkin University video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes, from one-page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links, a full catalog of every A Pen and a Napkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of A Pen and a Napkin. A penandanapkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach. All right, coach, at this time we are going to go, uh, we're going to go have our uh, John Wooden quote of the day here uh, from Wooden, a lifetime of observations. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, are, are you ready, uh, coach, for, for John Wooden's quote of the day? I'm ready. Let's hear it. All right. So feel free to comment on this uh, afterwards. I kept it really simple today. Uh, I found a shorter one. I feel like, you know, some of them I've had lately have been so long that by the time I have gotten done reading it, that my guests have been like, you know, could you, you could kind of hear like, could you reread that? (laughs) Because it was so dang So this one's a short one. All right. So uh, from page 73 of Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations, the John Wooden quote of the day is, Winners make the most mistakes. An individual who is mistake-free is also probably sitting around doing nothing. And that's a very big mistake. 
Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that that was one of our, um, we talked a little bit before about, about my camp numbers and that that's one of the things we talked to our, our campers, um, a grade third, three through eight. Um, when we do ball handling and dribbling and stuff, you know, like they're so conscious of not wanting to, um, look bad in front of their peers or, you know, and, and we had to stop a couple different times. If you're not making mistakes, you're not pushing yourself to get better. Mm -hmm. So don't be afraid to cut loose and, 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 uh, make that mistake or go a little bit quicker, uh, to improve your handle, especially mm -hmm. in this, you know, in this setting where you're here to get better, you're here to improve your skills. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess that's the first thing that popped into my head is the most recent, yep. uh, time where, where we actually, um, address that quote. Yep. We, we always tell our kids go fast enough to screw up. We, we want you to go fast enough that you're screwing yep. up, uh, in practice, uh, because we want you to push yourself and see how far you can go and, and, and take something. And so uh, kind of the saying the same thing a different way uh, is, yeah, I like is, that. is what is what we, we got going on there. So, um, all right, Coach, hey, let's jump into uh, some of your basketball philosophy and X's and O's and that type of stuff. Uh, let's, let's talk about your practice setup and, and your execution. Uh, what do you feel... Uh, you guys do well there at Prairie uh, that has, has allowed you to, you know, again, have the success that you've had here the last couple of years. Uh, what do you like about your practice setup? What what do you emphasize in your practices? So forth and so on. And, and I'm just going to kind of let you roll here, Coach. Uh, if I've got a question, I'll try to politely interrupt you. But at this point, you just go ahead and tell us about what you uh, or how you and your coaching staff set up your practices there at Cedar Rapid Prairie. Sure. Um, well, Again, following the basketball nerd theme, you know, I'm always on the lookout for, for practice plan templates. And um, I've kind of landed on one the last couple of years that I really like. I mean, we, we you know, we've always, we, we, we number them. What day is it? We have a thought for the day. Um, we have our, our black and orange and white teams designated at the top. Um, so players know what they should be in uh, when we're ready to roll. Um, you know, and, 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 I would, I, I hope that maybe for, for young coaches or coaches just getting started, maybe especially this, you know, some of the things that we talk about might help veteran coaches. You know, everybody has, um, has their strengths and things that they do and the ways that they do them. Um, but for us, um, you know, we, we like to scaffold a lot of the things that we do, especially on the defensive end. Um, I've always done that. Coach Wags kind of took it to another level uh, with this this past fall. What do you What do you mean um, by scaffold? Um, j just starting with with mass stance, mm -hmm. you know. Which um, I, again, I'm sure everybody does it, but talking about um, getting really specific about where your feet are, what your hands are doing, um, where your eyes are, all of those things, mm -hmm. building up to one on one two on two, three on three to, okay. to where we eventually yeah, okay. get to five on five shell. Okay. Um, and, and another, you know, basic, simple thing, especially over the course of, I would say the last five or six years is just, um, trying to be, um, efficient and quick and, and have transitions. You, you know, today's kid is different than when you and I played high school. Um, if, if you're doing, 
the same drill for 15 minutes, it's time to change, in my opinion. Um, if you're talking for more than 90 seconds to, to, two, to two minutes, again, in my opinion, you're going to lose you're going to lose a lot of kids. And, and I, you know, there are times when you've got to stop and you've got to explain things and you've got to walk through it. But just on a, on a daily basis, if, if, if you're doing a lot of talking, you're going to lose kids, I, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. So oh, just, agreed. just agreed. being quick. What's that? I said, ag- agreed. Absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, you know, so timed out three minutes here, fundamentals, five minutes, um, maybe you build up to 10 minutes when you get into some, um, live things. Um, coach Wags was, was really good about just incorporating, uh, free throws. Every time we took a break, it was, it was free throws. And whereas I would, um, in the past, I would, you know, sketch out five minutes for free throws, whether we did, uh, plus minus or, or team free throws or whatever the case might be. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's the general, you know, just, just being really purposeful, um, trying to be efficient at the beginning of the year, we are two, two to two and a half hours at the most. and, And by the end of the year, um, you know, there are some nights where, where we're done in a little over an hour, mm-hmm. um, with the hopes of just keeping them fresh. Um, it's stuff that we've, we've done, we've repped, we hit on it, we're quick. And, and if it's good, you know, we, we hit it and quit it. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I guess those are just some of the basic things that, that we, um, focus on when, when we're putting together our practice stuff. How do you, uh, you know, what's kind of your, your basic run? And again, every practice plan is different. If you have 55 practices in a season, you're, you're going to, you know, have 55 different setups. But, but there are some patterns that we run into. You know, uh, so, you know, how do you get things started? What's kind of your usual flow? Uh, and what are you prioritizing in your guys' practices? Uh, we, we always start with static um, stretch and warm up. The, the captains lead it. They know it. Um, you know, typically we, we flow into, um, some type of defensive, uh, station or drill. Um, that may, like I said, that may scaffold start with, with one-on-one go to two on two, three on three. Um, if we do something in the half court, we our our next transition. We like to do something full court, whether it's a, a layup drill or, um, a shooting drill or, you know, whatever the case might be. And then we might come back to half court to, um, for example, do uh, ball screen coverage, free throws, and then we might go back to full court um, and, and building it up that way to where you're, you're at towards the end, you're doing your five on st- five stuff and, um, at, you know, and getting your shooting in as well. Mm-hmm. How much shooting do you like to have in a in a practice? How much time? Let's say you're going, I don't know. Let, again, this is always the example I use. Right around second week of January, you're probably going ninety to one hundred and five minutes yep. or so. Uh, yep. uh, you know, what's kind of the ratio? How much shooting you want to get in? I would say in, in that scenario, we're probably getting fifteen to twenty minutes of dedicated shooting drills um, specific to the kid's position. You know, I would say we'd probably do a five-minute one near the beginning, a five-minute one uh, near the middle, and another five minutes uh, towards the end to get that 15 or 20 minutes. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Uh, any anything that you and your staff do, do you feel like that you do well to to wrap your practices up strong to to send the kids out of the gym uh, feeling good about themselves? Do you have anything that that, that you and your staff do? Um, a lot of times we'll do um, one and done. You know, just call a kid to the free throw line and knock it down and we're, and we're done. You know, if we miss, we run down back, call another kid out. Um, you know, ho- hopefully most nights that you're only shooting one or two times. Um, pre-game nights, we, we usually keep it a little lighter and play, you know, maybe we'll do, uh, we do a game called 30 plus one. They got to make 10 layups, 10 free throws, 10 threes, and then a half quarter, which as you know, they, they love <laughs> oh, yeah. um, to, to chuck up half court shots. Um, or, you know, if you're finishing with live action, we just, if, if we execute really well um, for a couple of trips, we might just, blow, you know, blow the whistle and stop there. You know, that was really good. That was really clean. Uh, let's let's end it there. Mm-hmm. How important is it to have your kids leave the gym with a positive taste in their mouth 99% of the time? I think it's important. I mean, like I said before, I, I'm... I'm the eternal optimist. I mean, it's got to be a pretty bad practice for, for me to uh, have the kids leave the gym, you know, with that bad taste in their mouth. Um, so, you know, even even if it wasn't the best, we talk about ways that we can be better. We always talk about the next play mentality. Um, tomorrow's a new day. Um, and, you know, if we have to, there are times when we've gone in the locker room and talked about, hey, what's why was this bad or, or – um, maybe even we've we've finished with um, you know a huddle session where where we watch things that we did well in our previous game. Mm, I like that. I like that ending a practice that way. Uh, that's that's good. Um, I, I really liked I, I, again getting ready for today. Uh, you guys have a really well done website for your youth program and trying and again that is the lifeblood to almost all of our programs is the is the development of our youth players uh what are, what are some of the things that again at prairie that you feel like you've done well uh with organizing your youth program your camps and and that type of thing how how are you uh other than winning but but you had to do something before you won in order to win so so what have you been doing there what have you been emphasizing with your youth I was I was fortunate in that the year before I I'm trying to think here the, the year before I came to Prairie so would have been like 12 or 13 years ago a group of parents um, started what's called the PBBA the Prairie Boys Basketball Association mm-hmm. um, and you know they just they their uh, mindset their mission was to get Prairie kids playing together on club teams. Um, you know, starting to build that camaraderie, the, the playing together. Um, and, and I was, like I said, I was fortunate and I've benefited from that. Um, so, and I believe that's probably the website you're referring to. Our, our, our boys basketball association yep. is, is really good. Um, and, and that, so, you know, so that's the first piece of it. And that continues today. Um, I w- I've also, I mean, I'm going to say I was fortunate, but I, 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 if I'm being honest, didn't want to do it at first. But when I started at Prairie, um, they were looking for an eighth grade coach 
and and they you know they asked me do you know anybody and here at prairie um the junior high the seasons are split so that so that a kid could do basketball and wrestling if they wanted to, to uh-huh. you know, to kind of see uh, what they like. Yep. So, uh, long story short, the, the junior high basketball season o- overlaps with the the varsity or, or the high school season, uh, usually about a week, week and a half. So, they got down to crunch time; they couldn't find a coach. I said I'd do it. Um. So up until three years ago, I, I was coaching junior high. Uh, to start my year in the fall and then going rolling right into to high school. Wow. Um, which in hindsight, and, and once I got into it, I'm like, you know what, this is, this is really good because, um, you know, even those first couple of years I was on the sophomore staff, but still I was getting to know the kids. Um, once I got the varsity job, uh, not only was I getting to know the kids, but I got to install and, and, use some of the things obviously um maybe not as advanced but some of the things and and ideas and philosophies as far as defense and and offensive sets with those junior high kids and then i would start to see them filter up to the high school so as you might imagine that's that's huge yeah um and and i know that's not typical but for me specifically um that was a huge part of, of why we were able to get the ball rolling here. I think. But um, to to me though, uh, Jeremy, that makes th- that's what we should be doing. And and yeah. oh, you know, yeah. every, every every situation is different. Like if you're at let's say in, in your neck of the woods, you're at Cedar Rapids Xavier, or you're at Dubuque Wallard. You know those those kids are going to be coming from a lot of different schools that are coming into uh, to the private school setting, and there's pluses and minuses from being at a public school to being at a private school. But if if you right. have, I've always thought that if you have a a closed district or a district where you know ninety ninety five percent of the kids that are in your school at fifth grade, if they stay there, they're going to be at your high school. You should be using the same terminology and you should be using, uh, teaching the same basic system all the way up through and through, because if you believe in it that much, why not get ahead of it? And so you can hit the ground running as much as you can when they come into your program as a freshman. So uh, I, I, you know, I I think that's the the best way you could run a youth program in my opinion. So. Yeah. Yes. You are exactly right. And, and like I said, I didn't have the foresight to, to kind of think that out when, when they approached me. Um, my first thought was, oh, my gosh, like I, I don't want to be rushed to start the high school season or, or, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but it, it was it was one of the best things I did. Um, and, and like I said, I gave it up three years ago. Um, and since that time, I, I've made sure to be in close collaboration with the junior high coaches mm-hmm. for those reasons you mentioned. Yep. Uh, how much time do you spend with your junior high coaches uh, explaining your, and I'm using air quotes here because I know what your seniors are doing is radically different than what your sixth and seventh and eighth graders are doing, but coaching your system, how much time do you spend educating them and working with them? Uh, are you going down to practices and watching them and kind of helping them implement things? How does that process work with, within your program? Yeah, so so the last three years, um, what I've done is gone down the first week of their practice um, and, and done those things. Um, the other piece of it is I always invite them to help at the summer camp, and most of them take advantage of it. I pay them, um, and, and we get a chance 
there to talk about those things as well as show them because like I think I said earlier, uh, my youth camp is third grade through eighth grade. So if those junior high coaches are there, they're getting a head start of seeing the players that they're going to have in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get to start to talk about some of those things as well at camp. Besides mm-hmm. the fact that, like I said, I go there um, usually the first three or four days of their practices. Yeah. Do you ever get any, oh, what's the uh, the word I'm looking for? Do, do, do you ever get any pushback uh, from, from your coaches? And if so, how do you handle it? I haven't. I, I mean, knock on wood, I've been lucky. Uh-huh. Um, you, you know, and, I, and I'm not, I, I, I'm not a micromanager like that, that mm-hmm. they have to run our out of bounds plays and they have to, you know, I, I, I want them to, to coach and figure some things out on their own and, and be their own person, you know, so they have freedom to, to do those types of things like their own out of bounds plays, their own quick hitters, specials. Um, we mainly talk about, you know, our defensive philosophy and, you know, we want to be really good man-to-man defenders. Um, I have a couple of continuity offenses that, that, that we've used and, you know, I introduced them to those and they, I want them to use those. But mm-hmm. other than that, you know, it, it's, it's more, especially since I've stopped coaching junior high, it's more getting in front of those junior high kids Um they get a sense of how I operate and, and also, you know, those, those general basics of, of what we're doing in the program. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the a pen and a napkin video library. You know, one of the difficult things that we have in our job, Jeremy, uh, sometimes, not. Uh, uh, I would say it, it's in some ways it's it's overrated, uh, but in some ways it's also underrated. It just depends on your situation. I feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here, but we have to communicate with parents. And a lot of times the, the when we have parents that are frustrated, it's because of lack of communication by us to the parents about our expectations, about our uh, what we expect of the kids, about what we expect from the parents. Uh, roles yeah. on the team, all, all the way on down the line, and so a lot of times when coaches complain about, uh, you know, parents, it's it's you know kind of self prophesizing because of the lack of actions that we've taken before the situation got to that point. Uh, what are some of the things that you do in your program that you try to head off those issues before they get to that point? How do you communicate with your parents and try to create as positive a relationship as you can? Yeah, um, it, that that is so true. I mean, communication is the key, and and I would add to it um, early communication. You know, one of the things that I I would like to think that we do a pretty good job is in our preseason meeting, we we kind of set all of those things out. And if if you're a young coach or just starting out, I can't tell you how important your preseason meeting is. Uh, with the players and parents. Um, I stole this 
from Bruce Brown with Proactive Coaching. Maybe you've heard it. Oh, yeah, he I've seen, about, I've seen I, I really like Bruce's yeah. stuff, and I've gotten a chance to see him speak a couple of times, so yeah. Yeah, he talks about, um, and, and this is one of the things I share with the parent, he talks about the fact that when you go to a, a basketball contest, there's four roles, and you can only do one of them. You know, and, and I tell the parents that this is a great re- reminder for me as a coach as well as you as parents. The, the four roles are you can, you're can you either a fan, you're an official, you're a player, or you're a coach. Pick one. You can only do one. You know, and, and if so if you're a fan, your job is to, to be there and support and be positive. My, my, you know, as a coach, I can't be helping the official, even though, you know, all of the coaches listening, um, we, we do our best to try to help. But it, it's just a great reminder. Players, just play. You're not going to get every call. Um, just play. I, I, I have a, on game days, I have an index card size game sheet. And my first three or four years, the biggest thing on my, my game day uh, card was coach your team. Mm-hmm. Because I, I just needed that reminder, like, just coach your team. Do your job. Um, so that's one of the things I share at our preseason meeting. Um, you know, we talk about the fact that um, I, I really don't expect them to agree with every decision I make, but I, I say I hope that you respect those decisions based on the fact that I'm trying to do what I think is best um, for your son or for our team and you know, you're not going to agree with everything, but but please just know that I'm doing uh, everything with with the, with the best interest um, of the program. Another another really big thing I was thinking about this when when I told you I would I would talk about this topic is um, my son who graduated uh, last year was a four sport athlete, and one of the biggest things that I wish I would have known or done before. Um, four years ago is go to other programs, preseason meetings and postseason banquets. Like mm. as, a, as a coach, I'm sitting there at the track preseason meeting or the football preseason meeting. And I, I'm, I'm taking notes like, yeah. Oh, that's good. That's, that's good. good I got, I, I need to find a way to incorporate that or, or, or word it differently, but, but, but get that point across. Um, so again, if you're a young coach, just starting out, don't be afraid to ask like this fall, ask your football coach. Can I, can I come to your preseason meeting or um, can I come to a practice even, you know, it, it was so, it, it was just really eye opening for me. And, and I wish I would have done it a lot earlier in my career. Yeah. Um, what were one or two of the big takeaways that you had from going to those preseason meetings and postseason banquets? Um. Gosh, I wish I had my notes with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> put me on the spot there. That's uh, all right. No, that's okay. Um, our our track and cross country co- coach Bill Schwartz is is phenomenal. Um, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. But uh, you know, for him, it was just the attention to detail. Um, I talked about communicating early, and 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 having really good communication. You know, he's got. Not, not that we don't have our calendar for the year set, but, you know, he's got down to the minute everything for Drake, for, for State. Um, you know, he's got 
he's got a, a balance freshman meets, JV meets, varsity meets, and he's, you know he's just got everything mapped out, really organized. Um, the, on the baseball side, you know there were things like um, uh, just it, his message was playing the game the right way, and we're gonna we're gonna do it this way, and this is why, and you know that that was consistent with some of the things that we talked about, um, but he just worded it different. It, it, it was just, it was good stuff to, to, to get to see that, uh, not only as a parent, but as a coach. What has been uh, perhaps the, the most difficult challenge in communicating with parents in your career? Um, not, not, I'm not talking about, um, you know, there was this one dad that did this one thing. I'm not talking about that, but I'm just, uh, you know, I'm painting with a broad brush. Uh, if, if there's one thing that you wish you uh, could or should, or it's, it, this is the hardest thing to get across to parents in general, oh, what would that be in your, in your estimation? Um, just, just the acceptance of the team, um, you know, the, the, the team philosophy or, or putting the team first, being a part of something bigger than yourself. And again, I, I've been lucky here at Prairie. Um, for the most part, by and large, it, it's been great. The support's been great. Um, but, but, you know, you run into those that, um, where it's more about how many points my son is averaging or how many minutes he's getting or, or why does this, person get to shoot more than you know and and just trusting that we're we're doing what's best for the team for the greater good um a lot of times uh, i think the kids buy into it quicker than the parents do so i Mm -hmm. I guess that would be the biggest thing and and you know it's not to say that the great majority of parents do get that it's just it's that handful where you gotta you gotta convince them that you know this is we're all gonna benefit from buying into this mentality. Yeah. I've always felt like, and I've, I've referenced this on podcasts before, uh, the the situations that, that I've had uh, troubles with, and, and I'm right as a coach, but it's the, the hardest situation that parents have handling sometimes is, is if you have a junior or senior that has been passed up by a freshman or a sophomore. And... Mm-hmm they uh you know their opportunity to be uh contributing and and playing at the level that they would like to play at is probably not going to happen for them in their career and i i think uh again uh battle scars learned over the years um it, it i have to make sure i want to make sure that Hey, I've given that upperclassman plenty of opportunities to to earn their job. I'm not gonna. I don't want to put it that I I want them to lose their job. I'm gonna give them plenty of opportunities, especially in the spring, summer, and fall, to to earn yep. that job. Um, and and then, um, you know, make sure that okay, if we're going to play this freshman or sophomore, uh, a lot of minutes more than a junior or a senior. Uh, we're really going to make this player really, really earn it, and and they're going to, you know, unless you're 
associated with that player that's not playing, everybody else is going to say, yeah, you know what, Mary is a lot better than Susie. Um, And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's pretty much a no-doubter that the coach is making the right decision there. Um, That, that for me, has been kind of the the toughest or the most frequent situation when I've had parent issues. And you, you, you know you're making the right decision for the team, but, you know, you, you have to kind of ride that storm out sometimes. And it's not always like that, but that seems like for me, it's been the most often. Yeah. No, I, yep. I, I could see that and, and kind of piggybacking on that, going back to the, the communication piece. I mean, that, that was something I struggled with early was moving a player up and, mm-hmm. and trying to find the balance of, um, you know, if, if we're moving him up, he's got to play. Yeah. Um, and if he's not, then the transition, like just as an example, a sophomore moving to varsity, um, at least in our class here in Iowa, you know, we play sophomore games, uh, before varsity. And, and if, if for whatever reason, it's not working out at the varsity level, you know, getting them transitioned back to the sophomore team. And, and a lot of times they have a rhythm, um, already established and, you know, so I guess my, my point, and at the end of the day, the key is communication between not only you and the kid, but you and the parents. And, um, it, it it's, it gets kind of, you know, it's, it's tough waters there sometimes. Yeah. But that's why we get paid the big bucks, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jeremy, it's, it's been great having you on here this week. Uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation. A lot of great points. I love uh, just your, your practice thoughts, uh, just, just a lot of good things here for our coaches today. And, you know, I, uh, I, I hope that, uh, this has been a, a good deal for you as well. It has been, I enjoy it. Thanks for asking me. Yep. Uh, do, any, uh, any social media, anything you want to plug for your program here before we sign off? Um, I'm not huge into it. I, our, 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 our uh, Twitter account is at Prairie Hoops. Um, if you're so inclined. Okay. Well, you'll get a follow from a pen and a napkin here in the next couple of days. So, uh, uh, Jeremy Rickardson, uh, the head boys basketball coach at Cedar Rapids Prairie High School. Coach, again, thanks so much for your time. I I really, really appreciate it. Uh, As as we sign off here, could you hold the line just a second? Yep, you bet. All right. Uh, Again, Coach Rickardson, great job. Uh, great discussion here today. want to thank him for coming on. Of course, we want to thank COSAC Chiropractic, our founding sponsor. Again, if you're in the Omaha area and you need chiropractic services, don't hesitate to give Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi a call, 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin. Download, rate, review this podcast. Subscribe. Give us five stars. Help us hone, uh, help as many coaches as we can to hone their craft. And any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Um, go check out a pen and a napkin.com. Uh, great website. A lot of really good stuff for you to check out there, coaches. Uh, coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.